Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Thursday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. I looked at my phone a few minutes ago, and it said, it says, look, it says severe weather. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. do you know what it is? I looked it up. No, is I haven't. Wind? I just so saw I that as I was pulling it, in. And it said a red flag, and I was like, well, we're yeah, nowhere well, near the ocean. What, what is the red flag? Uh, burn? Visibility? It's a burn. Yeah, drought. It's a burn okay. thing. Drought. Drought. Because was, it's going to be, it's going to get windy here pretty soon, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's been breezy low humidity. and it, it is very dry. There, yeah. there was a no burn notice. We talked about it. Uh, I believe the city of Opelika put out one last week uh, because of the conditions over the next few weeks, and yeah, that that would that would explain. By the way, lows in the forties in the uh, in the in the next week or so. If you look wow. at the forecasts, there are a you couple know of there's going to the be weekend. there's going to be one more hot flash. I mean, there's got to be. There is a high of uh, there is a high in the mid 80s next week as well. But yeah, I believe Sunday and Monday morning, it's expected to be. If you're out, uh, if you're out around sunrise, it could be, uh, it could be approaching, uh, approaching the mid 40s on the uh, on, on thermometer. So that's a yeah. I mean, it's getting what getting, a change. How about it's getting a little wow. getting a little blustery out? And Justin Ferguson, a uh, an advocate uh, from the Auburn Observer, uh, coming to us from the observatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, but Justin Ferguson, a, a a big fan of the hoodies and shorts weather that you get when oh, yeah. it gets into the what the fifties sixties. Yeah, it was I, already it was uh, already there in the Bay Area. Sixties sixties low seventies is kind of the sweet spot. You could do high high fifties as well. How about this? What's the weather? Gonna I can I can stand shorts when it's a little cooler. Than watch that. this. Watch this pivot. Uh, What's yeah. the weather gonna be like? When you go to South Dakota to watch the Auburn ah. men's basketball team, let, let me take a wild guess that it might be chilly. I think it's going to be cold first week yeah. in November in yeah, South Dakota. Think. I'm going to I'm going to think it's going to be a little a little brisk out there. Uh, yeah, but you know, Bill, you can you can handle shorts probably with in lower the, the all time champion Jason is Jason Caldwell. No question. I have never seen Jason Caldwell wear pants. Yes, you have. Well, maybe, maybe you didn't see it then. I have. I think twice. <laughs> yeah. Twice. I think we were. Yeah, we were at a funeral. Once and no, well, no, I'm not even that. I mean, at a at, at, at a, a sporting, at an event, it's very sporting rare. event, it's very rare. You're absolutely right. Now, I, you know what? Speaking of, and not to not to immediately turn this around to something else, but speaking of blustery trips, we're going to have to take the Sun Belt is doing something really unique, Bill. I don't know if I've told you about this. So, so the Sun Belt and the MAC have a challenge in men's and women's basketball this mm-hmm. year. They're opening against each other, I believe. Either the open opening. Oh, they're going to do. They're going to do one that's based on how they're doing. Is so, that- so they're well. They're doing one game at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and that's an opener that's already scheduled. Troy's women. Right. This is men's men's and women's. Troy's, Troy's women this are going to open. This is something. With- this is something we tossed out. Yes. I, I wonder if they were listening to the so, show. So, I mean, something we have tossed out a couple of times that would be fun to do. With the SEC and another, conference. it's fun, but we'll get to the logistical problem. Uh, shortly, yeah, there is but, a little bit of. But so, so Troy's, yeah, so the Sun Belt and the MAC are going to play 
against each other in the opener, and then they're going to play another game based on the standings in February against each other. And there's, there's not necessarily the same opponent. You find out in January, based on some algorithm, you're going to find out in January where you're going or who you're playing in February. Yeah, it's, it's trying to match teams as evenly as possible. And, right? and you know, and what you're aware of is that if you hosted the opener, then you're going to go on the road and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Troy's hosting Ball State uh, in the opener uh, next month, which means that in January... On the road somewhere in, in the MAC. In the, huh? in the middle of conference play, the Troy coaches are going to have to find a way to schedule a game at a MAC school in the middle of February. And so there's an excellent chance that I get to visit tropical uh, quick, Justin, uh, from think about from your NCAA football days. Sure. Where's Eastern Washington? Eastern Washington Coleman. is, is that, in, no, that's, no, that's no, Washington State. That's right. Oh, yes. no, I'm sorry, Eastern Michigan. Sorry. Eastern East, Michigan? Oh, where's, where's Eastern Ypsilanti. Michigan? Ypsilanti. I was going to yeah. say, we're going to go to, I could. I get to visit tropical Ypsilanti. I was wondering where Eastern Washington is. Sorry, not Washington, Washington right. Eastern Michigan. If I remember correctly, it's like 10 minutes from Michigan State's campus. Right. Like East Lansing and Ypsilanti are like right by each other. So so we, we could visit one of the directional Michigans. We mm-hmm. could go to Buffalo. We could go to Miami. Not that one. We could go to, uh, I mean, there, there's lots of possibilities there. Uh, as far and so yeah, it's just an it's an interesting thing. I'm not crazy about like I feel like they'd be better off just ma- making both matchups right now for for travel reasons rather than deciding in the middle of the season to uh, to do a matchup. But it's a it's a cool thing like the the thought of yeah pick another conference and do a straight head to head. But yeah, it's gonna. Uh, uh, I, sp- speaking of Justin going to South Dakota, I'm gonna visit some some and I, I don't think I've ever been Justin to a Mac school before. Um, nothing, nothing comes to mind. I know, I know Marshall used to be one. Uh, and I've I've been there before, but I've never been to like one of the active schools in the in in, in the lovely uh, MAC. So yeah, I'll, I'll get to visit. It's an interesting idea. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And, and and you know we were talking about this the other day. Auburn basketball opening with Baylor. It's the first time, and I think it's like nearly twenty years since Auburn has opened a season with a power conference opponent in, in men's basketball. So the wa- I mean more Washington, more of those openers. Was Washington not the opener? No, it wasn't. Okay, I was gonna say it was first week. I think, mm-hmm. but I think they played somebody else. Uh, earlier that week that was because i believe that's still one of the only i believe washington has the distinction correct me if i'm wrong were they were they in the top 25 yes it's they, one of the only ranked versus think, ranked games and it's one of the only yeah, it's one, one yeah. of the only games maybe maybe it was the first one it might it might have been the first time ever that both teams were in the top 25 uh, at, at, at auburn slash neville arena and i know yeah it's only it's only one of a handful of times that's uh that's happened in the, because you know for the for the first Seven years, six years of Auburn Auburn was, existence. Not, Auburn was ranked. They weren't ranked. They were not finding their way into the top twenty-five very often. No. So, uh, so, so yeah, that's uh, exci- you know, and Justin's been able to go to a couple of practices, so we can talk to him. We've we've mentioned uh, we did a d- did a basketball podcast earlier this week that I've I've heard some some positive feedback for. Mm-hmm. Not just because uh, Adam Cole got mentioned and Steely Dan got mentioned. I've heard some other. Uh, so, some other positive feedback as not well. Not in the about, same sentence, I'm sure. No, but he's he's okay. a big he's a big fan. You know, oh, yeah. Despite, yeah, despite his relatively young age, big big Steely. Uh, I know he's, he's, a, they, he's a he's a huge Steely. Wasn't your uh, wasn't your wasn't your cup of tea? They were they were, no, they were the most disappointing. They were one of the most disappointing bands I've ever seen live. I, you know what? I could hear that. It, yeah. It's got to be tough to recreate what they did in the studio. Well, because it and, took and them years. You know to what make they wanted these... to do? They just wanted to jam. Yeah, they, they didn't really mm-hmm. want to play their 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 popular songs. Sort of like. When, when I saw Dylan, it was like, mm. uh, they were tired of doing the pop stuff, so let's just jam stuff. I wonder it's if like, the, that's not what, that's not what, what the crowd was it. there to hear. Yeah. I wonder if the live shows got more focused later in Steely Dan's career, because I heard, you know, 
more positive things about them, you know, on, on tour later. Like, I wonder if it got mm-hmm. more about like, hey, let's let's play. Well, this was just a couple. This was just like three years ago. At, Is that uh, right? Jazz Fest. Was it with Orleans. Was it with both? Was 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 the other fellow still alive? Yeah. Was it Donald was it Fagan? And, oh, yeah. oh wow, really? Becker, yeah, well, maybe at Jazz Fest they thought that because it's maybe jazz they fest. yeah they needed a jam and just interesting. Be more jazz. That's that's it. Oh, you know, I, I don't although get... when when Clapton was there, of course he jams, but that's okay. But it's. Any, hey, any, quick, quickly before we pivot, um, any anyone stands out to you as like someone great you saw at Jazz Fest? Is there someone who, who's like first first comes to mind is like man they were they were uh, blow your blow your socks off awesome? Golly, there were two or three bands that I'd already seen before that were really really good. Um, some of the ones uh, I wish I could remember all the names. Some of the ones were were folks I'd never heard of. They were just okay. wow, good. I mean, of course, you, you, you get a lot of that sometimes around New Orleans anyway. Did you see Clapton there? Did you ever? Uh, no, okay. no. So I've seen video of it, but oh. I wasn't there when, when he was there. I've seen him three times, but not in not in New Orleans. Uh, hey, this is a sports show. Is it? Yeah, I guess so. It's it's, it's, it's my fault. But it's a, it's a bye week. So, so, so we're, we're going to do a, we're going to do another, we're, we're, we're taking a no week off barred. from sports. No, the South the South no, no, Dakota no, 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 talk. No. The South Dakota talk started because. Uh, J- Justin has. We're been talking able to watch. about the weather when we yeah. first came on. That's my fault. So, but no, and Justin, we'll, we'll let you know. And Justin has been able to observe. See what I did there. He's been able to observe some basketball practice mm-hmm. uh, this uh, so far, and uh, we're, uh, we're we're excited. About, I mean, this is a. I mean, we're l- looking especially at the at the two deep. You know, maybe, maybe not at the very top of the roster, but 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 overall, wh- where do you think this roster on paper would be compared to other? Bruce Pearl teams like uh, it's, it's projections are tough because yeah. so much is new and and kind of unknown. But you know, it feels like this team is is going in as a conference title contender, which yeah. they've only been able to say a handful of times. In yeah, they're not going to be preseason. I would be surprised if Auburn's preseason top three in the SEC. I feel like four through six is going to be kind of their range uh, here, depending on who you who you look at, but. Uh, it, yeah, it's a team that's that's deep, and I think I think the the difference with this team that you can kind of see compared to some years past is you can you can look and say, okay, Auburn has struggled to shoot from deep, uh, really since the Final Four year on a consistent basis. They went out and got guys that have been proven to be really good shooters at different levels. Um, you bring that back with Jani Broom, which today I don't know if you guys saw the the news of uh, uh, Tolu Smith at Mississippi State. He is going to be out for no, I didn't. Uh, yeah, he he suffered an injury in practice uh, recently, and he's going to. They the hope is that they'll get him back sometime during SEC play, but he's going to miss what sounds like maybe the first couple months of the year for State with Tolu Smith. Uh, this is kind of <laughs> tough to say, but like with Tolu Smith kind of out of the picture at the moment, like there's a real good chance Janiah Broom's going to come into the the 2023-24 season as as the top center returning center in yeah, the I SEC. I figured he I figured he would make all conference teams whether it be first or second or yeah. you know. And he's coming off a second team pick. Um mm-hmm. I think he's got a really good chance to be first team. Um you know, and then you've got Jalen Williams and you've got some pieces that you feel good about, but I, I I really like the additions Auburn has made. Um, I, I feel like, you know, especially in the case of Denver Jones and Aiden Holloway, I mean, this is – Denver Jones is, I think, uh, got the potential to be one of the best scorers, one of the best two guards we've seen from Auburn in a while. Um, and then, you know, you get Aiden Holloway, which, you know, I keep saying it, Aiden Holloway is the number two uh, ranked 
prospect that Auburn has ever signed out of high school. Number one was Jabari Smith, the freshman of the year. Number three was Sharif Cooper, who only put up just insane numbers during his 12 years – or 12 years, 12 games, sorry, at Auburn. So it bodes pretty well for a guy, his talent, to step in. Um, they're going to have questions. It's going to take them a while to get going, I think. But this team definitely has a big chance to be better on offense this year and in turn – um, I think be a better team than they were last year. And if you do that and stay in the hunt in the SEC for most of the season, you set yourself up for the for the postseason you, pretty well. Uh, I mean, you look you look at the preseason, and and there's SEC teams seem to be all over the place, right? In in these rankings, we we talked about it on the podcast, but the closest thing to a consensus I can think of, Bill, is that Tennessee on paper seems to be uh, in the eyes of most uh, the, the best team in the league. Arkansas would seem to be number two in, in the eyes of most of these analysts. And then three, you have different opinions between Alabama, A&M, Kentucky. I think Auburn's in that conversation. I think Ole Miss, with the work they've done in the transfer portal, might be in that conversation as well. But that's four or five teams. That's, that that's six. Florida's about, also oh, in that mix. Four or five others. Yeah. After well, yeah, the yeah. Top two. Four or five yeah. that could be in conversation to be three. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that and maybe Florida – uh, makes up your and, and people really like Missouri com, coming back this year despite what they lost uh, I, I would say look just eyeballing it right now I would have Tennessee as your top team coming back because of their mix of talent and experience and some of the new guys they brought in I don't know who has a more experienced backcourt among the like I mean I guess UConn well, and you know some of the teams yeah. that bring back like you know of the, of the championship contenders Tennessee with with Viscovi and Ziegler back like that's I mean, there's a lot of experience there. Yeah, um, and then I would go with um, I would go with A and M pretty high. A and M brings back that core four um, that you've that you've seen for a couple of years now, and really like uh, Taylor Radford, um, that that whole gang, like really strong team. And then it's and then it's a lot of teams where you 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 believe in their coach. You can see the pieces. They got some pieces coming back. They got some newcomers. Uh, that they really like, and it's just kind of, okay, who separates themselves early on? And then Kentucky's always the ultimate wild card because Kentucky signed the best class in college basketball this past year. Um, but we have seen Kentucky teams like that kind of fall. But there's that there's that that group of, like, Arkansas, Alabama, Auburn, Florida probably fits in there as well where you look at them and say – Hey, this is this could be a really good team if everything comes into place, but it's tougher to to you know say for a fact that it's going to come into place when you compare it to a team like Tennessee or a team like our, uh, Texas A&M. Florida got the big that um, I would have really wanted had Auburn lost Jani Broom. Florida got the the guy from Marshall mm-hmm. who can you know the the up and down seven one seven two jump shooter who I, I thought would, is is just a really addition. You know, he's and and without Castleton, right? Like. You can understand why Florida, uh, you know, the pitch they had for a a, a player like that or a, uh, uh, you know, a, a system like that. But, no, and you know, it's probably early, too, for, for this team to be in the championship contention, but I would probably throw Vanderbilt into yeah, – like Tyron Lawrence back. You've, yeah. got, you've got Ezra Majan back. To, like, yeah, I mean, everybody in the league you can look at and say, hey, they've got somebody coming back. Like, the exceptions probably being, like, South Carolina – it's still hard to kind of see. That was so built around Gigi Jackson last mm-hmm. year, right? And he's gone. And yep. it's like, I know they, they got to figure out what to do with that. But like him, some but teams that struggled last season, 
in SEC play, Georgia, LSU. LSU. Yeah. You feel like they're roster wise, they're taking steps forward and heading in the right direction with the coaches that they've got there, which is you know a good sign. And then you know, Ole Miss. I'm bullish on Ole Miss. Yeah, like Ole Miss. I, I feel like that's a team that I'm. Arkansas get, and Ole Miss are the ones where I look at the preseason. I'm like, I I think they're better. Than, well, and, I mean, Arkansas, a lot of people have Arkansas as the second best team. Yeah, in the Arkansas league. is yeah. not getting overlooked. No, no, no Arkansas Ole Miss. Not. Ole Miss, Miss is like, do you just think it's going to all come together that quick? It could. Um, you know, I think I, they're going to defend. I mean, Chris Beard has the profile of like his teams play. That I mean, that, that's how Texas Tech sure. was able to get relevant so quickly. I, it, it wasn't. I, I question the I question the offensive efficiency of that group. Um, when you look at all the pieces they've got coming together. But, you know, if they figure it out, it'll be good. Same thing with kind of Mississippi State, and obviously the Tolu Smith injury will hurt them. Uh, but, like, States and other teamers, like, they've got an identity. They've got a brand, and they're going to, you know, make things really, really difficult. There, there aren't going to be any easy weeks in the SEC. I mean, even South Carolina – I mean, Auburn saw it last year. They lost to Georgia and Athens, right? You know, like there are – I don't think there's going to be any complete gimmies in the league this year, and that's what that's what makes this conference pretty fun. Well, Ole Miss was able to retain – it's the two guards that I think people – Jamin Brakefield really, and yeah, um, to, Matthew Murrow. To retain, to retain yeah. the two guards that I think would have really been – They didn't keep uh, – they didn't keep the little point guard uh, that almost came to Auburn. Right, and, but they but they were able to get the Arizona State point guard that I think yeah. some folks – Nunez, who, who folks – I mean, that we're going to see – to an extent, it's kind of like what Hugh Freeze is attempting at Auburn this year, but a basketball version of it, where a new coach has shown up at Ole Miss, and he's going to, I mean, he's, it's, I think it's five, five four-star transfers, including Alan Flanagan, have moved on to, to Ole Miss, and we're going to see what that looks like in conference play, along with a couple of guards that stayed over. And you know there there could be limits to that in an S, in an SEC. Yeah, but I mean it's easier to do that in basketball. I mean, and they're not that that would be that would be like if Hugh Freeze had signed twenty four or five stars and Brandon not just you know guys that had played at other schools. Brandon Murray is no joke. Georgetown was awful the last couple of years, but he was not. And you know he's he's a nice addition to what they're doing. Nunez is the uh, the point guard from Arizona State. They added the giant. From Western Kentucky, right? There's a seven seven three. Some places had him seven four, which to me, if a guy is billed at seven four, everyone should just. Well, call if him. he's seven three, that's close enough. I think, I mean, but yeah, gonna, but he's you know, and I think yeah, but, but yeah, that's that's uh, Musa or not Musa, not Musa Sisa. He's the other one. Um, the other post they saw, Jamarian Sharp is the is the the really big Western Kentucky transfer. So yeah, yeah, that's that's a team that I'm especially intrigued by in basketball play this year. All right, we need to get to our first break of the afternoon just underway. We'd love for you to join in. And how can you do so? Well, you can call us at 334-321-1390. You can also text the show 334-564-1840 on the Drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. With that, we'll get to our first break. It's Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Drew at the controls here on the Thursday Drive. This is Scott Brennan and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, 24 minutes after 4 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon, Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, 
All right, it's a, it's it's an open date for football. You talked a little bit about what you got going on, but a lot of basketball. Yeah, this week, a whole lot of basketball. The Observer uh, did a uh, did the podcast. Dan and Painter and I, uh, hour and a half on Auburn basketball. So, kind of serving as our season preview. It's kind of what we do during the off weeks, um, because you know we'll look up here in a few weeks, getting back into the group of football seasons. Like, oh, here comes here comes basketball season again. So, uh, check that out. Um, Got a newsletter from talking to Bruce Pearl and uh, Charles Barkley uh, earlier this week, and then some of the stuff we've gathered from practice uh, this week. Uh, film room on Monday on the football side on what happened to Auburn on all those third down conversions by Georgia. Um, you can check that out. And then uh, mailbag tomorrow. Today's 13 for 13 series, I did a story on D Ford. Here's a fun stat that I that I uncovered in looking at this. D Ford had 10 and a half sacks in 2013. Mm-hmm. He didn't play in the first two games. He didn't get a sack in his next two games. So he got 10 and a half sacks in, uh, in, in 10 games. 10 games, yeah. Um, every single sack that D Ford had in 2013 – the opposing team kicked the ball or, or turned it over on downs uh, immediately after that. They did not get another first down. So when D. Ford got a sack, it stopped the drive. It stopped the drive. drive basically, yeah. he was a drive killer. I mean, you can get sacks. Guys can rack up sacks, but he like it just the way he played and the timing of everything was so impressive with him. Uh, and then uh, were a lot yeah. of his were a lot of his sacks on third down because that would because that uh, would that would impact. I it think too, like. six or seven of them okay. were. So it was big, but like yeah, there were some like. That doesn't, no, that doesn't diminish the importance. No, of no, no. Like, there were also some like first. There are also some like first and ten inside the red zone sacks that he had, and push you know push a team back. You know, uh, stop the stop the bleeding on defense. He was a couple, just a couple it, third down sacks may have changed uh, Saturday's game, right, Bill? I mean, oh yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, uh, what Auburn would uh, would give for for somebody that yeah that could uh, that could be doing that on a, I mean, not even a consistent basis. Just do it a couple of times. You know, have have somebody once or twice. Yeah. Auburn gets one third down stop in the last three drives. Yeah, it was, of Georgia, they it was they it was very rough. well win the game. Oh, uh, and, and real quick, AuburnObserver.com sign up there. Uh, go back to that six dollars a month. Yeah, you go you go back to that Monday film room that I did. If you go back and look on third down, Auburn a true send more than four guys blitz not only many times. three times. Yeah, I was gonna. I knew it uh, wasn't many. Well, here's the fun part. Uh, two stops, and then one of the uh, one of the other one that converted was the one where Eugene Asante almost cracked. I mean, just almost, almost cracked yeah. uh, Carson Beck, and where Cam Riley almost had the pick. And the the juggle. No, that's from, that's the oh, oh, no, that's no, McLeod. No, this is the, no, McLeod. This is right, the juggle. Right. This is the juggle from um, Ra Ra Thomas. Oh over yeah, the middle okay. of the field. and caught. Yeah, and caught first down there. They end up scoring a couple plays there. I, I think going back, Auburn probably could have felt like they may have blitzed a little because they didn't blitz down the stretch at no, all and no, they just sent four and that last that last third down conversion that last third down and long Beck had a lot of time and look uh, Donovan Kaufman lining up in the in the slot no Jalen uh, Simpson there was a point somebody made uh, it was I was with Jordan Hill this past weekend after the game um we went to Talladega but you know Jordan covers uh, Georgia, and he pointed out He's casually throwing out the Talladega mention. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. He pointed out that in the second half, G- Georgia was motioning Bowers away from Jalen Simpson's side of the field. Mm-hmm. They just did not, you know, they would much rather go the other side than that. Look, Donovan Coughlin's made some big plays for Auburn this year, and there's no doubt about it. Coverage in the slot against the best player in college football is not going to be his strength, no. and, and so it's going to be tough. And, like, that's the thing on that last conversion. You can have safety help over the top. 
You can have you know a good slot. But if the quarterback has time to throw and and wait. The best player who I would consider Brock Bowers, I would think he's the most talented player in college football. He's gonna get open. He like you can't cover him forever. And and even when he's not, he still may catch the oh, ball. The second to last <laughs> one, he catches it behind his back one hand. Yeah, I mean, unreal, unreal. It was, it was cool seeing the second one that got called back, but the one behind him, oh, he's running man. full speed. If he does, he doesn't catch that. It's picked. Yeah. It's just, it's just. Speak, a, and speaking right. of which, the uh, the play Andy Burcham pointed out, which I've gone back and, and seen, which is so. So I mentioned, and I said this on the podcast too, Justin. The the play, if you could have one play, like a mulligan or a uh, just just break a little bit more for Auburn than it did. You know, I nominated the play where Cam Riley nearly comes up with the interception on the Jalen on the, on the McLeod hit. Sure. Early in the third quarter with Auburn, it's like, uh, a, it's like a second down blow. Yeah, yeah Auburn's up seventeen ten. Auburn up seventeen ten would have had the that's ball in the territory. Yeah, that's the, the one. one. The one Andy Burcham mentions that I had not realized. I go back and watch, and he's absolutely right. Is on the play where Marcus Harris bats down the pass mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage. If you pause it when Marcus Harris bats down the pass, Zion Puckett has jumped in front of the intended receiver, and that ball, if it gets past Marcus Harris, is headed straight for Zion Puckett's face mask. Who and is then headed straight for the end zone? Now, sure. I don't. I don't know. And, if the, and in that case, Marcus Harris is doing his job. There. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. you never yeah. want him not to do that, right? But, but it's, yeah. again, it's one where it's like, oh, if, again, if, if luck, pick, a luck, a little pick, bit more on Auburn. And man, it would have been a crazy play for Cam Riley to make that. Like it was, oh, it was right. such a tough play, and and just to get to that point was was impressive. Um, yeah, you know. And then the other one I think was just that late third down. That late third down, you get off the field, you get the ball back with time in a tie game. Maybe you come out with maybe you come out with something there down the stretch. And and I'll hit Pascal with the stat that I, I gave you while you were at Talladega about George's last That yeah, 18, that one's wild. George's and I've said it on the show too, but but the fact that we're talking about and again I, I know for folks who want Auburn to beat a rival or want Auburn mm-hmm. to beat a team in the top ten, like they, they you know, they don't want to think about Dick Freeze said it this week when he was in Mobile, there are no moral victories yeah. in the SEC and I and I, I agree with him, but But I think you can still see progress in oh, a yeah. game that your team didn't win. Yeah. And hey. for for us to be talking about individual plays that could have put Auburn in position to win against a team okay. that has been for the most part yeah. deep frying their opponents for the last three years. Well then deep frying you specifically. I mean I pointed this out the other day. That was the closest Auburn-Georgia game since 2019. But if you remember the 2019 season, Auburn's down 21 nothing heading into the fourth quarter of that game. They rally late, have a chance. You know, obviously falls apart there. You've got to go. 21 started. Go to, 21 started close and got away, which I think. Oh, I think, it was. I think, uh, yeah. It was over by the second quarter. Yeah, I, I think people were expecting yeah. people. I mean, yeah, once George took a double digit lead, you didn't. Yeah, feel it was like. over. And, the, and that was the thing. The we, last yeah. time Auburn had a four quarter competitive game with Georgia was 2017. Right. And I mean, they blew out the 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 one at home, and then you had the you know the SEC championship game was still tight heading to the was, fourth. It was so important. I know we got to take a break. It was so, it was so important for Auburn to avoid a slow start defensively against Georgia because if I mean you just got the feeling if, if Georgia was up, yeah, because that's the thing Georgia seven, struggled with. If if Georgia gets off to a quick start, you're like, oh boy, that's 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 bad news. But yeah, Auburn did a really good job. That. And then again, I'm sure y'all have talked about it. The amount of recruits that were at that game. The fact that they stayed all the way through, they had a reason to stay all the way through, that the crowd was mm-hmm. as locked in as it was for four quarters, that's significant. Again, you want to win the game. You play to win the game. We talk all the time about you know, this season, how it's the bridge year. It's setting up for the future. You know, It's a year zero, year one, whatever, you want to, whatever you want, designation you want to call it. That's all true, but you, know, you only get 12 or 13 of these games, so you want to win them as much as you can. That's yes, but – 
you you cannot come from uh, away from that Georgia game and not see that Auburn's made progress. I don't think Georgia's as good as they have been the last couple no, of years. No, I don't either. But they're still, but they're still very, very talented. But I mean, if you're going to sit here and look around and say, okay, who is definitely better than Georgia in college football? You can't come up with a clear cut no, answer. Not, someone no, else, not yet. Nope, you, you, not vo- yet. you vote for things. Should someone else be getting a number one vote right now, or should Georgia be the number one team? I mean, Michigan's getting a lot of votes right now, and and I and and I think I think that's a fine one to give. Um, did you see how many different teams got number one? Bill, I'm talking to you too. Like, did you see how many number yeah. one teams got? How uh, many teams got number one votes in the? Two, I mean, like, up until I mean, they kind of Washington, they, Florida yeah, State, yeah, uh, Michigan, Georgia, and Ohio State. I think all and there might be someone else. I'll tell you. I'll tell Bama, you. Maybe Bama, I'll, no, Bama didn't. I'll, Texas, I'll, Texas got Texas number one got a number one vote. I'll tell you one thing. If you if you gave a first place vote to Penn State right now, I wouldn't be like. That's insane. Like Penn State's playing really good football on both sides of the ball. How would you feel about a first place vote for SC? Defense isn't doing it for oh, you. Oh no, yeah. Okay. You don't. You're not the number one team in the country messing around with uh, what was it? Was it Arizona State the other day? Colorado. 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 Forty-eight. Forty-one. But the week remember. before they yeah, struggled with somebody too. Week four was Arizona State. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Alex Grinch continues to steal money from whoever employs him. It's 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 insane. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in again. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. As we continue here on the Thursday Drive. Big 7. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson. Again, uh, Dan mentioned David Pascal will be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. Right now, though, we've got the phone lines open, 334-321-1390, and we'll head to the phones. And Terry is up first. Hey, Terry. Hey, good afternoon, Bill and Dan. i got a couple of questions for Justin, if that's sure. okay. Uh, Justin, I would ask you a basketball question, a football question. Basketball first. Mm-hmm. As Auburn, I really felt like size last year was a problem at Auburn. Is Auburn going to be bigger? Uh, they are bigger in the backcourt uh, this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aiden Holloway's still a, a smaller point guard. Denver Jones has got some really good size. I mean, you're talking six four, six five, uh, two guard. Um, your your wing. Uh, your wings are pretty sizable. You got Chad Baker Mazzara's at six eight. Uh, Chaney Johnson is is going to play probably the four or the three a little bit bigger. I'll tell you one thing, uh, uh, Terry, most of the guys on this team saw significant increases in weight and muscle this off season. A lot of weight changes from this crew um, this year. And, and, and Pearl uh, talking to him earlier this week, he thinks they're going to end up being, uh, have the ability to be better on defense because these guys are going to be a little bit bulkier. Oh, awesome. And football, do you think Auburn fans as a whole, because I do, are tired of hearing every week how the offense is struggling? It's been going on for a while now. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you You have to sit here if you're Auburn right now and say, hey, you know, this was never going to be just a light them up, you know, crazy good offense. There's just so many new pieces. But you can reasonably expect to be better throwing the ball you, so you far absolutely, this year. With Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery be office. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Hugh Freeze's teams have always been uh, – Good offensively, yeah. But I think it's showing you've you've still got to have some talent. To you got to you got to have some talent. Um, you know, you know, your quarterback has has struggled. Uh, your wide receivers have not really separated themselves. And look, the, fixing the offense long term for Auburn is going to get done through recruiting and development. But in the meantime, in this year one, you should be better than what you are through the air. Now, I will say, 
solid running the ball. Not perfect, but they have they've done a little bit better uh, here against some quality opponents moving the ball uh, on the ground. And hopefully, you can build off that. But you got to be able to throw the ball. And another reason why I think it's imperative to improve the passing game is because this team is at its most dangerous running the football when things are spread out seemingly it doesn't seem like they can yeah. show you run yeah you can't you, this team is not good enough and i don't think there's very many teams in the country that are good enough to just say hey if you know we're running we're still gonna we're still gonna run it on you, you saw, gotta have balance you saw a little bit there was a play in the game saturday when georgia was backed up near its own goal line and on first and 10 ran the ball for 14 15 yards and you do think oh there are teams that have stacked up the talent to where in, in, sure. in at times they can say, you know, it's, it doesn't matter that it's first and 10. doesn't matter that you're probably overplaying the run a little bit because of the field position. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to run it at you, and it, and it just might work because we've got uh, some NFL players. Auburn's getting there, but right now they got to keep teams off balance, and I think an improved passing game would help keep teams off balance too because gotcha. they'd be, they, they would be less uh, able to play the run. But here's, here's the problem, Terry. I mean, I don't know. People ask, well, what tweaks can be done to make, it, make, make the passing game a whole lot better? I, I don't know that there are many options – Better there. I mean, some guys just got to play better. Yeah, you just got to play better for sure. The biggest tweak would be recruiting. Yeah, and you can't. <laughs> you're right. And you're not adding players midseason. Well, the you know, biggest, you can't make midseason trades. The, That's one thing where we hadn't gotten to that yet in college. The yeah. biggest tweak. The biggest tweak we could you could make in season would be a quarterback change. And I was after the after the A and M game. I was curious about what they would do if things didn't improve. After the Georgia game, I did not. And I know there's been. There's you know, apparently this is more con uh, controversial than I realized, Bill. But but I after the A and M after the Georgia game, I thought, you know, Peyton Thorne is you know seemingly taking steps. Yeah, in, he, he in got the right better. Direction. It's just yeah. it's just you know, and, and also in that game there were several passes he could have made that receivers didn't come down with. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Freeze talked about that some this week. It could have looked better. You still have to get a lot better there. But yeah, I think I think they're going to continue to stick with what they've got. But they just need to find ways to help all those guys out a little bit more, and that's what the off weeks for. I'm skeptical now, there's an in-house option that will go on the field and perform better yeah. than Peyton Thorne through the year. And the quicker Walker White gets here, the better. Yeah, guys, be, have a good day. Yeah, Appreciate I, the call, Terry. It's going to be really interesting to see. Like Somebody asked me, my preview for my mailbag tomorrow, somebody asked me, like, why is it that Auburn can't come up with a passing game? Like It feels like every year it's like, well, maybe they're different. One. There are different answers for that. Different my thing answers is, for different years. My, well, and my thing is, historically – you got to look through the majority of Auburn football history. They have had run run first coaches. They have had a lot of great talent at running back, and not as much talent at quarterback and at wide receiver in recruiting. Like so, if you look at it, mm -hmm. Walker White. I think I looked this up the other day. It was like since two thousand. I think Auburn has only signed six quarterbacks that were top ten in their class. Walker White would be number seven. It's an even smaller number at wide receiver. Oh yeah. And it's like in a day and age, we're stacking rosters and stacking. Like, that's how you do it. Like why does Alabama and LSU and Georgia and Ohio State, why are all these teams consistently? Because they consistently have the talent and roll it through. Auburn has had that at running back, and they've had it at times at defense and some of these other spots. They just Historically, they just have never been. I mean, look, the number one receiver in school history is a guy who played in 1969, 1970, 1971. I'm, I mean. Here's another, here's another crazy stat. Auburn has only had two – 3,000-yard passers in school history, just two. There are 17 FBS teams that have had 3,000-yard passers in the last two seasons. Like So, I mean, like, yeah. you're playing – it's just a different mindset. And, like, when Pat Dye was here and when Tommy Tupperville was here and, and Gus, uh, 
these guys like they wanted to run the ball and that was what they built their their identities around for the most part there were some tweaks and some changes here or there but like that's that's what Auburn did you bring in Hugh Freeze and you bring in Philip Montgomery I would argue that based on their track records that's the best head coach offensive coordinator combo Auburn's had in terms of like have you been able to produce great passing attacks in college but it's going to take time and you try to make shift one this year with a lot of transfer receivers and a transfer quarterback and just hadn't clicked yet. Now it doesn't mean it's not going to period, but like what's gonna like like Terry just said, what's gonna what's gonna fix it? Recruiting. You got Perry Thompson, you got Walker White, you can have some more guys. Yeah, Bryce and Kane, it, and you're looking to add more. And what settles yeah. the nerves, you gotta, what settles you gotta, the nerves you gotta, there is, is keep the, that up going, the, going forward. That Hugh Freeze has has done this before where he's been able to 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 absorb losses as a coach on the field and still recruit the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ole yeah. Miss. I've pointed out that Ole Miss got blown out a couple of times his first year at Ole Miss, sure. and, and he was he was able. Hey, to, and to it was like, and it was like, like when he signed that mega class at Ole Miss, it wasn't like they were coming off an eleven win season or anything like that. What do you What do you remember of the What do you remember of the Tony Franklin experiment? Because that I, what's What's funny? I just remember it not working. So, so Bill, do you remember the? Ob- I remember the picture with the books. Do you remember oh, the yeah. objections? <laughs> do you remember the objections people had because it wasn't Auburn football? Yes. Like that, that, yes. Right. Yes. Which I, mean, I think dates back to our conversation. Well, and, and, and I was just thinking, you know, yeah. when you when you were talking about uh, the Auburn coaches, the people that are hiring the Auburn coaches also have have in the past looked for someone. I mean, you want to fit, and part yeah. of that fit would be running the kind of program, yeah. having the kind of program. You know, we want to play great defense and run the ball. Yeah, and that would be. That would go into the hire as well. Right. And the farther and farther we get in the future, the more and more this game is tilted towards the passing right. game. I mean, it's the one thing that's held Auburn back from being a contender over the last decade is just you don't have the passing attack that the contenders do. Now, Hugh Fre- uh, when when John Cohen and the people who made the decision at Auburn to hire Hugh Freeze made that decision, I can tell you there's a ton of data they got on coaching, on stats, uh, you know, recruiting, uh, how you perform as an underdog. There's a, There were a lot of factors that went into it. Passing and a track record with quarterbacks was one of them, and that's part of the reason why Hugh Freeze is here. That's part of the reason why Hugh Freeze hired Philip Montgomery mm-hmm. to be there. And so there's a plan. It's not like Auburn's coming in. And, t- and again, like when they hired Brian Harson, it was kind of the same thing too. It was like, well, maybe, maybe this kind of pro stuff, because he had a good track record with quarterbacks. It just wasn't a good fit. So now you're trying to marry it of, hey, this guy knows the SEC. He knows this Understands, part. right. Yeah. But also, he's been able to put the ball in the air and, and, and have really good success with it. And that's the thing. It's like the the, the deeper we get in the timeline of, of this sport of football, like the more it's going to be tilted towards the passing game. The more this thing's going to start looking more like seven on seven. That's just where the sport is heading. Um, and so – Auburn has to kind of make that transition. It doesn't mean you go away from the running game. I mean, even those – No, it's still good to be able to run the ball. I hey, mean – 2019 it, it, LSU still had, still had Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like, they still – like, you can still have really good players out of it. And, we, and, you know, you can look at those Clemson national title teams. You can look at the Alabama national title teams and, and say, like, wow, look at these passes. They still could run the ball. And they still had guys that they put into the NFL that are running backs. And, like, Auburn's had a great track record with that. They just haven't done it at quarterback. Um, but you feel like this is the time and the moment where they're going to try to start changing that some. And I'm not saying like Gus Malzahn and uh, Gene Chizik and Tommy Tuberville didn't want to throw the ball, didn't want to have that. I mean, 
Tommy got Tommy got Jason Campbell. Uh, you know, Gus got Bo and 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 some other Jarrett. Um, but it's consistency. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's that track record. Well, you didn't you didn't really have to throw it as prolifically back then. Sure. Yeah, Tommy won you know, a lot of games. I mean, Brandon Cox didn't didn't oh, yeah. overwhelm on the stat sheet. And then and, it started turning in the last, and, wins, and that's so. what makes the 2013 team so crazy. Is like I don't think we'll ever see another offense like the 2013 offense anywhere in college football, Which where it was why, like we don't care, we're gonna run it at you, and you can't stop us. Nobody does that anymore. We've, we've had people, so you know, all, all you need is another Nick Marshall. You know, those because the, they're everywhere. Like those, you know. Well, guys. even but even still, like you can get a a dual threat quarterback, and it's you still got to be able to throw the ball. You know, you mentioned Walker White. The one thing I really enjoy. Watching Walker White on on tape is this is a guy who's had a lot of experience keeping that ball on a read option, you know, running out of the sh- shotgun set and, and and doing stuff like that. But you know, what should get Auburn fans most excited about Walker White is look at some of the throws this dude makes. Like that's what you're going to need. Perry Thompson, you need the Perry Thompsons, you need the Bryce Canes, you need the any other receiver they want to add oh, yeah. on this class. It, if you could flip a Cam Coleman, if you could flip a you know a Nakar or somebody like it that, it does feel like great quarterbacks are more ready to play immediately than than at an early oh, point yeah, in college absolutely. football too. Like, absolutely. I'm, like the trepidation that you used to have for oh, you don't want a true freshman as your starter. Like no, um, the, hey, the guy you wish you still was you'd wish was still here did it in 2019. You know. Yeah. Like yep. you, 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 and know. it was, and it was somewhat revolutionary. Yeah, even that was in the best for, year of the last five. So. But I mean, yeah. And was, on top of that, like what? Uh, he was the first one ever to do that as a true freshman at Auburn, ever. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you've had true freshmen, you know, play for national t- titles. You know, be Heisman contenders. Like it's guys are getting more and more advanced because I think just development and training is just getting right. more coaching and, more. and and exposure. And, Caleb, uh, absolutely, the Caleb Williams season we're at Oklahoma. We're way, was a true way, freshman, way. Yeah. Yeah behind okay all right let's we just want to blow let's we can just blow off the last break because we got a call too we can take a break uh all right specter hopefully we'll have some time when we come back here on the thursday drive i mean we're attention large property owners and adventures the drive with bill cameron and dan peck on espn 1067 online at espnau.com to be a part of the drive call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at espnau.com Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday. We've got uh, we've got a few minutes left here in hour number one. Let's get to the phone. Inspector is up first. Hey, Specter. Well, I guess I better get it in quick. Dan, you know, is Dan still there? Yeah. yeah. What's up? What's up, Specter? Yeah, I tell you what, Nick Marshall, he was a cut from the rest. He was about the best college quarterback I've ever seen that could could read a defense. And he could read the defense during the play mm-hmm. and, and, and change it. Yeah. So that's what that's what set him aside from everybody else. Oh no! I mean, he had he had a couple of things that he was able to do. I oh, mean, the, 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 I mean, with with his feet Spectre's too. Point. But, yeah. I, I think I think among Auburn fans, truly underrated what what kind of just yeah. like vision and awareness yeah, he had as a quarterback. People there's think too it's many all, people absolutely. think that just because you're fast, yes. you know, you can do. Or you're what just Nick a Marshall dual threat. Yeah, it, no. People think it's the athleticism or the speed. No, yeah. it's it's the things he was able to do. You know, the the dexterity with the hands, and but yeah. also, yeah, the the ability to make absolutely. snap correct yeah. decisions. Hey, I think that's what's missing with Thorne. Uh, he's, he doesn't have that ability as of yet to read a defense. 
uh, yeah it's really interesting and like auburn needs to find somebody who who, like that they've been missing that for for a little while and 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 obviously they thought a guy like thorn with the experience that he had could bring that he just we haven't seen that yet felt like bo was a skilled improviser but he had to do it all the time and then with with guys since bo you've had uh, it's been more of a dice roll when, when things break down whether it's TJ or or Robbie or, or Peyton Thorne. Yeah, Cam Newton can do it with brute strength. Yeah, no, Cam was able to do – well, Cam was able to keep plays alive, too. I mean, he could take off and go down the field, but yeah. Cam always reminded me of, like, Roethlisberger in his ability, with, you know, to, to, to extend a play when it should have ended in a sack and, and have it result in positive yards because his, his strength kept him upright. Well, I have another thought. Uh, do I have time, or do I have to wait till after the break? Yeah, uh, you know what the music means. No, yeah. I said I think you could hang on, right? We could, yeah, if you, be- yeah. If you hang on, that that'd be fine because we're going to give David Pascal a couple of minutes to uh, recuperate from his show. So, sure, if you can hang on, Specter, we'll get right to you as soon as we're back at the top of the hour. Okay. All right, we will do that. We're halfway done here on the Thursday Drive. Stick with us. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. And we were we were talking with Spectre when we ran out of time in hour number one. So let's uh, finish that conversation. Hey, Spectre. Okay, uh, this goes back to Terry's call. Uh, y'all were t- discussing what the, what the team could be done, what, what kind of tweaking could be done. I think it comes down to the head coach. I mean, we hired a head coach that was successful and we was wanting him to bring that, that scheme to here, but it seems like he has gotten away from that. And he's admitted that and, it, and he misses that. And Balzon did the same thing after his 13th season. I mean, he absolutely vacated play calling and then took it back up and vacated it again. So I don't know what's going on with these Auburn coaches don't want to do their, do what they do best. You bring up you bring up something I wanted to, to talk with Justin about when we ran out of time in the break before this, and that is Hugh Freeze's comments about missing the play calling, and you know he had he had sort of called out some things that weren't going on, uh, you know, in in the prior games there not enough RPOs yeah. and not being happy yeah. with some things. Yeah, like I that. mean, I mean, to, and it's a great point by Spectre, and it's one that a lot of people have asked Hugh Freeze came into Auburn saying, hey, I'm not going to be able to call plays because I need to I need to spend more time recruiting. Like, and I don't that's think anybody can be upset at those results. Know, right. But I think he got a little more involved with the with the play calling uh, in the Georgia game on set on Saturday and I th- and the game playing. And I think it I think it made some a bit of a difference. But yeah, I think to Spectre's point, like one of the things that and you can put this with Philip Montgomery as well. One of the things that I think Auburn could do a better job of here in the second half of the season is is finding ways, creative ways to get easier throws, especially on early mm-hmm. downs. I mean, the difference between Auburn throwing on first down and the difference on second and third down is just it's a it's a massive gap right now. 
Um, so that's something that I think, yeah, tap into that a little bit more. I don't think anybody's going to fault Hugh Freeze for saying, hey, you know what, I need to recruit. Because ultimately recruiting is what's going to get – like being a little bit better on offense this season is good. It would be good, obviously. Absolutely. But the recruiting impact, you know, you got to you got to weigh the pros and cons there for for him. And he thought, hey, I need to put more emphasis on recruiting. I think as the season goes on, though, you can see him try to take some a little bit more of that time. But yeah, I mean, to Spectre's point, he came in saying he probably like his right. first press conference. He said, mm-hmm. "I'm probably yeah." I'm what, probably it wasn't give like, it up. "Oh, that surprised everyone." Yeah, no, but but, but it but it is something that you know. I do wonder how much longer he's going to have this arrangement. Not saying, hey, take the play call on for Philip Montgomery, but maybe get a little bit more involved with that. Appreciate the call, Spectre, 334-321-1390. We will get back to your calls because right now uh, we have an, an outgoing call and we're welcoming in our regular Hour 2 guest here on the Thursday Drive, and that is David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Hope you guys are doing well. It's always good to be on on a Thursday because it means we're getting closer and closer to another weekend. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, and and I know we're we're a good bit removed from last week, but uh, last week, I mean, let's let's get your thoughts on the Auburn Georgia game. Uh, I think a few of us felt it was going to be um, could be competitive. I don't know that there were. I don't I don't recall any of us saying that they thought the game would be tied with six minutes to play. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big things that we did talk about, though, is, uh, you know, how clean Georgia usually plays against Auburn in recent years. But, you know, Auburn was able to capitalize on Georgia turnovers. And that's just something that, um, you know, it's interesting. I read today where Georgia has Georgia's defense has not recovered a fumble all season. Now, they've got uh, they've recorded eight interceptions, uh, including four in the fourth quarter. uh, But that defense covered a fumble yet so i mean it just kind of yeah i'm like y'all i was kind of watching that thing going well this is interesting this is kind of and it, another kind of unique factor about georgia this year is you just look at uh carson beck and his his uh passer rating numbers you know he's down around 100 in the first quarter but he's up around 200 in the fourth quarter he just seems to get stronger and more efficient as the game goes on but i mean it's it's just it was an incredible show uh, by Brock Bowers. I mean, when when everybody in the stadium knows where the ball is going, and he is still finding ways to get open and making one-handed catches like he was. I mean, credit Auburn for playing a great game, but Auburn just doesn't have Brock Bowers on that roster. And, and it was it was unusual to see Georgia playing a one-score game because you know I, I did a little did a little digging after the game was over. Felt like David Pascal here with with, with these numbers, but so so David. Since the start of the 21 season, Georgia has played 18 regular season SEC games. They've won all of them. And Saturday's Auburn game was one of only two games that were decided by 10 or uh, by, by fewer than 10 points. They've played two single digit SEC games. They've won them all, but they've only played two single digit SEC games since the start of the 21 season. And Saturday's game at Auburn was one of them. Yeah, I mean, in their winning streak, I mean, that you've got the Missouri game of last year, you've got the Ohio State National Semifinal and the Peach Bowl, and then you've got uh, what happened on, on Saturday. And, and, you know, it's just – it goes to show – and I know Auburn fans do not want to get the, 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 the reputation of losing the, the close ones, but, I mean, there, there was an element, I would imagine, 
Auburn fans probably and, – and I don't know. Y'all were there. Was it a similar feel to walking out of that Iron Bowl? I, I don't know, uh, you know, that, that went into four overtimes. I would imagine that's a little more uh, dramatic. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's the same where you, you've given it your all and still didn't have enough. I mean, Auburn still didn't throw for 100 yards uh, against Georgia and, and just kind of came up short. Uh, David, to your point, you, know, you mentioned the 2021 Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl I thought of was the 09 Iron Bowl where Auburn jumps out on Alabama early and Alabama wins it on so a late So close on because they can't get them off the field yeah, there at the end. Yeah, and Alabama wins on a, on a late drive. That's kind of how it felt. And, and a you tight know end that makes a couple of really y- big a plays. Year one, a year one and trying to set it forward. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess that's the thing we were talking about earlier, David, and I guess from your perspective what you think, like no moral victories and you don't want to be the team that loses the close rivalry game but like at least you come out of that game if you're Auburn saying that hey you've made some progress because it had been a minute since Auburn had been competitive with Georgia in any game yes no you're exactly right about that and it is funny that you mentioned the 09 because that was a that was an interesting year I mean obviously everybody knows what happened the next year but you know there were some lumps that Auburn took that year Auburn lost to Kentucky if memory serves in 09 and and uh, in Rich Brooks's last year, but you know, and and it will be interesting to see if Auburn can build on that. There's there's some really, as we've talked about, there's some really favorable things with Auburn's schedule. Um, but you know, you know, one game that's going to be very interesting down the road for them will be Ole Miss. I mean, the last two weeks we've seen Ole Miss get really shut down offensively by Alabama, and then we've seen an Ole Miss that couldn't be stopped against LSU, and so. Um, and I know that's next. I'll be curious to see how can Auburn build some confidence offensively and move the ball on an LSU because it seems like right now everybody's moving the ball on LSU. Yeah, you're not kidding, David. I mean, LSU the the last couple of weeks, I mean, has just uh, uh, it, it's it's been Olay. It looks like defensively. Yeah, can you put a, your finger on what's going on with a defense at LSU that you know? is struggling that much, but they still have Harold Perkins. They've got, like they they've still got get, stars. Yeah, they've, they've got, got a Mason ton Smith. of stars. They've yeah. got, I mean, oh. What's going Wingo. on? What's I going mean, on with LSU? Yeah, it's. Uh, and I thought Lane Kiffin had some really telling quotes after the game because he's like, we studied that Florida State game intently, and Florida State just pounded them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and if you look at the fourth quarter of that game, Ole Miss rushed 16 times for 87 yards, and LSU rushed seven for seven. And so that was just a good old-fashioned fourth quarter pounding your you-know-what into submission. But like you said, we're talking about LSU here. That shouldn't be happening. Um, you know, it's weird. The Florida State game, you were looking at how they were playing Perkins and where they were playing Perkins, and it mm-hmm. just looked different from a year ago. But, yeah, and, and, of course, they bring in Pete Jenkins this week, who's obviously a guru with all sorts of experience around the league, including his time at LSU. So, uh, yeah, that's a, it'll be interesting to see if that defense can get fixed because they're averaging they're allowing 31 points a game right now. And and that sort of leads into there. There's some really interesting games this week with some some teams that boy the the season could go wildly differently than than most people had thought if things either go really well or don't go well, go south. And and let's start let's start with with, with LSU. They're at unbeaten Missouri, a Missouri team that, you know, has seemed to a few times, how did they win that ball game? They weren't that pretty, but Brady Cook is putting up tremendous yards. Their offense is putting up some numbers that makes you wonder, man, is is 40 going to be enough for either team this weekend up in Como? 
Yeah, they've uh, they played a pretty wild one in Como a few years ago that I think well, I want to say got into the 40s. It wouldn't surprise me if this one did either. Uh, of course, we all know Brady Cook sets the record for consecutive passes without an interception for the SEC at 348, breaking Andre Woodson's record the other day. Uh, there are a lot of people that think that Missouri, pardon the pun, is a paper tiger, that they mm-hmm. do their comeuppance, but we just we haven't seen that out of LSU. I mean, I fully expect this to be a highly – entertaining game that starts at noon but may not be over till 4:15 you know <laughs> eastern time just because of all the the potential for some scoring i i just i'm kind of like what you said i mean you know LSU for a team that just blew everybody's expectations last year i mean they were picked 5th in the west and they won it um you know for them to for them to lose this game you know, would really be wild how their season would already be kind of over, uh, and it would be kind of telling that maybe we didn't pay enough attention to last regular season finale mm-hmm. when they got thumped by a bad Texas A&M team that had just lost at Auburn. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of feel like LSU, they're already – their backs are against the wall, and I think they find a way to pull this thing out, but it should be just a – highly highly entertaining game on a day that that does have good matchups but some of these other matchups we may be about to talk about i think will be potentially really low scoring games i just think lsu mizzou could be a shootout i think i think when you factor in both florida state games and the loss to the georgia bulldogs in the sec championship brian kelly's record against power five teams at lsu isn't as overwhelming as his like nearly as overwhelming as his overall record I think I mean I think after the Florida State loss in the opener he was either seven and five or seven and six against the power five at LSU and then uh, and and then there would be there would be another loss now to to Ole Miss on that on on that as well so yeah I mean it's I I don't know I mean things things look like they were going to coast and it was onward and upward after year one I think a loss to Missouri would you know really throw a wrench into that for old for, for LSU to be looking at three losses mm-hmm. a, a week into October and still and Bam and, and Bam on other, Bam on the schedule coming up. Yeah, and the other thing about LSU with his losses is just the amount. And I know Ole Miss wasn't the case, but just the number of double digit losses. I mean, FSU was a twenty one point loss. Georgia in the SEC championship game, I think, was twenty. You know, Tennessee went down there last year and just crushed them. 40 to 13. I mean, they, they've had some bad lopsided, a lot of lopsided losses already under Kelly. Oh, you're, you're not kidding. Speaking of lopsided losses, there were a lot of people that thought, well, Florida's figured things out. Billy Napier and Florida have got things turned around. That Utah game, you know, maybe that's just a, an exception. And last week, I mean, Kentucky, you talk about pounding. I mean, running. Ray Davis ran for 206 yards in the first half against the Gators, and they just ran all over the Gators. They've got Vandy coming in this week. Can Vandy pull off back-to-back wins over the Gators? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so, but at the same time, I'm, I'm also hesitant to just say, you know, this is Florida versus Vandy. Why shouldn't this be 38-13? I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say it in that direction either. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ray Davis ran all over him last week. He also ran all over him last year with Vandy. Right. Uh, up in Nashville, so I picked Florida thirty-one seventeen. I mean, it, it is. This has just been a very interesting deal, and I know he's not even 
I mean, is he even twenty games? He's not even twenty games into coaching at Florida yet. But I mean, it's just it's just really weird what Napier's having to go through. I mean, you you, you just there's just, it just seems like there's something different every week. And like you said, just when you think they're starting to put things together. <laughs> That's probably, I mean, you did have the bowl game loss, which was embarrassing because they, you know, they hadn't been, they've scored in every game since Auburn beat them 16 to nothing down there in 1988. You know, they kicked that late field goal right. to salvage some points against Oregon State in that bowl game. But, you know, they're just, they just seem off in a lot of different ways. They're, they commit the costliest special teams penalties you'll see. I mean, they had the two number threes on that punt return against Utah when it looked like they were getting some momentum. And even the other day, they were starting to get some momentum against Kentucky, and they had a guy just jump over the wedge to try to block a punt, which you're not allowed to do. Um, I mean, some pretty basic stuff that just seems like, you know, that's where the Florida fans will just jump all over a coach. But when you do that type of stuff, because I think Napier's a good coach. He's just showing uh, on, on a lot of situations otherwise. Uh, another one before we get to the to the last two. Uh, it looks like it should be a one-sided matchup. Arkansas is struggling, but and Ole Miss was so impressive last week, 700 yards total offense. But like you said, the week before, Alabama had shut them down. Now, Arkansas is nowhere near, near either of the teams they've played the last couple of weeks talent-wise. But for some reason, I've got a feeling this game is not just a route Ole Miss's way, even though it's in Oxford. Yeah, I mean these teams. I mean these teams play like fifty-two, fifty-one games. I mean mm-hmm. these play these teams play crazy games where you you know throw the throw the ball way back like Hunter Henry. I mean it, these these teams play crazy, crazy uh, football games. Um, and so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm like you. I get the feeling this will be right there. With it, um, you just you just have to like Ole Miss at home. Sure. Um, all right the the uh, the top games you've got a, an unbeaten matchup. Kentucky so impressive, so impressive last week in its route of of the Gators heading down to Athens. Georgia doesn't need to continue these slow starts. Uh, I I don't think that I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to jump on them and. And and, uh, and and run away or anything. But I think it's really interesting because Auburn ran for over 200 yards last week, and you know Kentucky wants to try to run the ball. However, Devin Leary better not turn it over for the Cats to have any chance in Athens. If you had been told before the season that a Georgia schedule that had UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, a rebuilding Auburn, and South Carolina, th- those were the first five games, and if you had said – the score after the first quarter of those games combined would be 17-17. What kind of odds could you have gotten on that? But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is an interesting rivalry because in, in some ways they mirror each other. I mean, Georgia likes to – I mean, Georgia can play – you know, Georgia can throw the ball and, and has – you know, can show explosive – ability there they did that a lot especially under Munkin a decent amount but but we know Georgia and the roots of Georgia are just a power running game that likes to grind you up and we know that's what Kentucky likes to do they're like last in the country in terms of number of possessions the way they like to shrink a game so there is kind of a mirror effect when these two teams play each other and you've really seen that the last couple of times in Lexington. The last two times these teams played in Lexington, the scores have been 16-6 and 14-3. to 
I mean, they've been like ultimate throwback games. In Athens, the games have not been as close. So um, I don't know if Georgia's going to wind up getting the first quarter issues solved. But, I mean, I do think this is kind of a maybe a 27-13 Georgia kind of win. And then the the other one, like two weeks ago, it was this is Ole Miss's best chance to knock off Alabama and make a run for Atlanta. Texas A&M hasn't been in Atlanta either, and it now appears that, you know, after that opening loss to Miami, that A&M is, is getting things together, especially defensively. And I've always liked Max Johnson. I think they may be a better team offensively with him at the helm. What, what do you think about this matchup out in College Station? I know. I think it is the uh, – I mean, it's huge. It's intriguing. I mean, I don't think anybody across the country right now can pick the winner of this game and say you feel absolutely confident and here's why. Um, I just think this game could go in, in different directions. I'm like you. Uh, I thought when Wagman got hurt against Auburn and Max Johnson came in, you're like, wait a minute, this team's moving the ball better now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the guy had a, what, a 27-6 to touchdown interception ratio a couple of years ago at LSU. Um, I do think Alabama, you know, you're finally starting to see that defense come together a little bit. I mean, you, I, I really do like that secondary. I mean, it's an interesting mix with a couple of – with McKinstry and Arnold, a couple of really good shutdown corners, and then you have the experience of a Malachi Moore and the, and the talent, emerging talent of a Caleb Downs. So, I like what their secondary is doing. I don't know uh, DeAndre, uh, Deontay Lawson's health for this. That's certainly a big deal, although Tresman Marshall, the Georgia transfer, played well in his absence the other day. So, you know, I picked Alabama. I picked it 20-17. to 17. Uh, you know, that's kind of your way of saying you really don't have a feel for it. Um, but, no, I just like – to your point, Texas A&M has been so good defensively lately, especially since that Miami game when they got torched, that this is one of those games like Georgia-Kentucky. I just don't see tons of points. I know when Texas A&M won two years ago, it was like 41-38. I don't see a repeat of that kind of point total. So I just think it'll be a good old low-scoring, old-fashioned, and I picked Alabama 2017. Yeah, so, I mean, the last two I, I feel like are definitely slugfest-type the, the games. The one, and I know, I know we're up against it, but the, the one thing that gives me pause about this game uh, is that I saw with my own eyes, I saw the way the Texas defense harassed. And I, I know was, the game feels like it was a while ago, right, with the progress Alabama has made offensively, but I saw the way that Texas defense harassed Milrow and that Alabama. And now they're going on the road to A&M against a defense that's maybe better than the one that gave them trouble. Uh, in in Tuscaloosa, like like I think that I don't know. I, I look at I look at A and M and I think, man, if if, if they're ever going to make you know they're ever going to make that push, it it's it's going to be a win at home against Alabama with this team and and onward and upward from there. I mean, and you could be spot on. Uh, there's a part of me still that I am the first to admit this Alabama team does not look as good as some of the recent Alabama teams we've seen. Uh, there's still just a hesitancy to pick against those guys. Yeah, I know you what you mean. I, oh, own. yeah, I can't do I've it either. I've seen it too many I times. I can't do it either. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Great stuff as always, David. Uh, let everybody know how they can follow everything you do. Yeah, timesfreepress.com for the newspaper and uh, ESPN Chattanooga for the radio. All right, where are you going to be this weekend? You know something? I've already had this season kick my rear end. I had a long weekend at the Swamp. 
And that Tennessee-South Carolina game did not end. You know, I, I got home at like 3.45 in the morning, so I am battling the – hopefully I didn't sound too different because I've been battling the crud. Oh, man, and, no, uh, fortunately, this, Okay, well, this will be my lone – open day the the little school here utc actually has a a big game a top 20 fcs game against western carolina and i'm like hey i'll go to that it's uh Kerwin bell coaches western carolina how about that blast from the oh no kidding that that's great well 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 that's good well hopefully you get a little rest this weekend uh we look forward to talking to you again next week that sounds great y'all have a great weekend too david pascal joining us as he does on thursdays yeah we were uh um, about about out of time, or we'd have gotten into the the future SEC game where the commissioner's going to be. We can talk about that one and more. Let's Love just, for you to let's join just in about Oklahoma, Texas. When we yeah, we will. We'll, we'll do that and more when we come back. You can join in as well here on the Thursday Drive. Noble here. And 106.7. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final Basically, final half hour, we're a break behind again. <laughs> that time we had Pascal, though. We, I know, I know, I know. We had to keep. Oh, we had no, to keep no kidding. No, like I said, I, I would have liked to talk more. But, uh, we, yeah, we, what we'll do is we'll take a break in a few minutes, and we'll take two more breaks in the final half hour. So let's get to the phones, and Brett gets us started. Hey, Brett. Hey, Bill. Uh, I heard earlier y'all talking about basketball and where Auburn might finish, but I, I didn't get to hear. Is it, have y'all said who? you thought would finish ahead of Auburn just in preseason picks? Uh, you're most likely going to have Tennessee be your preseason number one in the SEC just because of the, what they're bringing back and the class they signed. Uh, A&M's going to get a lot of love because they bring back pretty much most of their starting lineup from last year and they had had a pretty good season. Then there's like a tier where it's like, all right, depends on how you feel about Arkansas and Alabama and Auburn and maybe Florida. Those are the ones that are all kind of together. The ultimate wild card is Kentucky. I mean, people are gonna people are going to look at Kentucky and say, hey, they're gonna have an awesome year because look at the recruits they've gotten. And so, you know, I, I said it earlier. I think Auburn's probably going to be somewhere between like four through seven in a preseason uh, poll. I have seen them picked as high as third. Yeah, in, in the league as Don't well. Don't be surprised so. if if. Just about any of those teams are in somebody's top twenty-five. Yeah, but it feels like Tennessee's got 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 it, and then that, from there, it's just kind of what you what you feel good about. I would feel good about A and M just because of the amount of talent they're bringing back. Yeah, I, I believe I'd pick uh, Arkansas myself. But uh, oh, yeah. tell me this: tell me who y'all think in the SEC is better at the point guard position. I'm talking about one and two, and at the center position than Auburn. Hey, that's that's a great that's a great point because you know there's not a whole lot of like experienced point guards coming back in the SEC this year and for Auburn you've got talent a ton of talent um, Aiden Holly we we mentioned this the other day uh, if you look at the 2023 recruiting class in college basketball the recruiting rankings Kentucky has the if you look at just the guys that went to SEC schools I think Kentucky has the top two maybe three and then it's Aiden Holloway. So it's like for Auburn, like you are, you've got it really late. And then to your other point, uh, Brett, uh, you know, Janai Broom coming back big for Auburn. 
And then earlier today, uh, Mississippi State announcing that Tolu Smith's going to miss the first part of the year for for State. So there's a real good chance that Auburn's got the best center in the league when the when it tips off in November. Tennessee would probably be the team people point to as the best backcourt with Viscovi and Ziegler because of what they've been through, uh, as, as you know how how much they've played, not just together. I mean, and, and they're both all conference guys when healthy. Ziegler's coming off the injury, uh, but but I'd say that that's the team. Arkansas added. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, right, right from uh, from Houston, mm-hmm. who's, who's uh, you know, he's a guy who killed Auburn in the tournament last year in the in the second half. He was he was part of that. They that, got that L. Houston L. as well. L. Ellis is yeah. yeah, coming, and then and they keep uh, Devo. Uh, right. So I mean, so th- those would be your top two, and then Mark Sears is back as well uh, at Bama, who more of an off ball guard, right? Not not right. necessarily a right. point. Yeah, but I would say the the talent for sure. I mean, if if Aiden Holloway plays to plays up to what you know he could be, and I'll say also Trey Donaldson. Uh, Trey Dawson's having well, a really good off season. I'll say I'll take Holloway over anyone you just mentioned. The, the guy, none of those guys has the range he's got. I mean, none. And Sears is a very good shooter. Yeah. Ziegler dang sure doesn't have the range. Nope. Nor, nor can he with six seconds left shake somebody and get his shot off from three as well as Holloway. Yeah, the thing with Holloway is going to be, and we talked to Bruce about this earlier in the week, is just his evolution as a playmaker and to be a, a, a true point guard. There's no doubt about it. He's a scorer and a great shooter. They love that right off the bat from him. Um, but So it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of play it. But, yeah, really high expectations. As I've said a few times already, it's like, look, Jabari Smith was the number one freshman Auburn's ever signed. Sharif Cooper was number three. Aiden Holloway is number two. That's pretty. That's a pretty good spot to be in uh, if you're looking for somebody to make an impact like that right away. Well, I, I'd take uh, Holloway over Cooper ten times out of ten, and twice on Sunday or whatever the saying is. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, y'all. Y'all have a great day. Appreciate it, Brett. You too, Brett. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety, and. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, we, we will get to we'll get to break. Jay, hang on. You'll be up first. We gotta get caught up. Uh, but you'll be up first when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes and let's get right back to the phone. And Jay's been hanging on for a while. Hey, Jay. Hey, how's it going, gentlemen? Great show, great show. Appreciate that. Good to hear Wanted from you, Jay. Th- thank you for the kind words. Awesome, awesome. Always enjoy you. Always enjoy um, the drive as well as on the line. I've um, got a question for you guys. Went to Auburn last week. The atmosphere was great. Unfortunately, we didn't come back with the W, but we did look good in the process. And I was thinking how different it would have been. What happened with the deal with us not getting Kirby? I heard that um, from a couple of folks that we had a chance to get Kirby Smart, but we just, you know, something fell through. Is that true or not? And if it's, and if it is true, what happened? I'm not saying um, Hugh Freeze isn't a good coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he's good for Auburn. But after looking at the Pat Dye um, documentary on uh, APTV, him being a Georgia graduate coaching at Auburn, we could 
should have had, I don't want to say Pat Dye 2.0, maybe Kirby Smart 1.0, but another good, you know, another Georgia graduate being a, a great fit for Auburn. What happened? With We're all chomping at the bit to jump in. Yeah, so this is this is a twenty ahead of the 2013 season when Auburn fires Gene Chizik. It was good, it was down between really down between Gus and Kirby. Right, both of them interviewed for the job. Auburn ended up going with Gus. The continuity, the 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 experience there, I think, was a factor. Um, and Auburn decided to go with, I think, a, a guy that they knew was you know probably a, a probably a better fit for Auburn at the time. And then obviously, Kirby, there was one, always the threat of Kirby right. jumping to Georgia. Well, and and uh, one of the factors also I've been told mm-hmm. was that Kirby wanted a coach in the national championship game. Auburn wanted a coach that would come in right then and recruit. Mm-hmm. In hindsight. Maybe you go, oh, that would have been a pretty good advertisement coaching sure. in the National and, Championship. And the, and the RMJ that I've always and, heard. And asking a coach to leave a team, I think the optics of that would have been bad, too, to have a team say, yeah, his team's coaching in the National Championship game, but we need him to start right now, so he's got to abandon his previous sure. team. And then but, and then you also remember, uh, I, I think, the parting of uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin from Alabama. I think some people, maybe even Nick Saban, felt that he wasn't completely focused on the job that he sure. needed to be focused right. on there I, in the championship. And, and I'll say this, the 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 threat would have always been, say say Auburn gets Kirby Smart. If the Georgia mm-hmm. job ever comes o- open, whenever they get rid of Rick. Well, it unless he'd been, been there would, 10 years or something right. like, it would have like been Vince t- Dooley had been at Georgia. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, yeah, that, that would have been the thing where I think some people also had in their minds, like, man, if Rick's gone, Georgia's going to yes. look at Kirby at some point. So that was probably ultimately when they landed on Malzahn. Uh, you know, I think Kirby – I would be interested to see if Kirby could do everything he has been able to do at Georgia anywhere else. It would have been it's a, it's an interesting thought experiment, but yeah, it was it was initially a Malzahn and Kirby uh, kind of head to head, and Auburn went with Malzahn. Okay, I, I'm just I am happy with uh, Hugh Freeze. I think given coach time, uh, he will bring in the the kids that's going to take us to another level, or you know, make us look like Auburn of the '80s when. We were taking names and kicking butt, and uh, we just got to be patient with uh, Coach Freeze. But I will say this. I'm happy. No, I'm hyena happy we didn't get uh, Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss. Uh, I'm happy that we didn't get him. It's the 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 lane the back and forth with Lane and the up and Man, down roller a, coaster. That it is. Got. It is yeah. absolutely an amusement park ride. And, and, and to Jay's point, could I think be a I gut th- slinger it could be a roller coaster. I think it's a good point to have patience. And the thing is, is that Hugh Freeze compared to Brian Harson, I think Hugh Freeze is going to buy himself some patience with just exactly what he just said: recruiting. If you're putting forth the effort and you're saying, "Hey, it might not be great right now, but look at what we're bringing in. Look at look at what we're trying to build. You can buy a lot more equity than that." Then not doing as well as the previous head coach and not rooting out like you have to you have to show some people something to believe in and and you know it seems like they, they they've done that so far oh yeah gentlemen great show y'all yeah have y'all have a good weekend great call jay yeah. good and hearing from you and i think some of the other stuff that the previous coach was accused of the not embracing tradition and not uh you know behaving in a sort of like I, i've made the comparison before that it, it's like being a it's like being a mayor like it's like it's like running for local office if you're going to be the head coach of an SEC team in sort of a football-oriented, at a football-oriented program. And Hugh Freeze seems to be excellent at the community outreach mm-hmm. aspects oh, yes. of this Absolutely. job as well, which which matter 
when times are tough. Well, it also and you're it, looking it also for, matters to to the Auburn fan base. Yes. Always has. Here's a here's a stat comparing this staff to the last staff for you that I found today because I had forgotten I had written about this. So if you follow me on Twitter or if you've read anything I've done, I've I've harped on the middle eight in the past. And the middle eight is it's a old Bill Belichick thing. It's the bridge, right? Before yeah. the before the it's final the four minutes of the second quarter, first oh. four minutes of the third quarter. Um, and what the middle eight does is is basically like you can steal possessions at the time, time management, clock management, how you handle possessions is important because Belichick always argued it's the only time of the game where you could you could you get back to back you could have back to back possessions. How you control that can go a long way in a it's game. It's the reason teams overwhelmingly defer now when yes. they win the toss, which yes. is something that's changed over the last so couple of years. So here's football. so here's the thing. Under Brian Harson, Auburn was terrible in the middle eight. And you can probably remember this. Falling apart at the end of second quarter. Oh yes. Not being able to get anything and then not getting off to good starts in the third quarter. So uh, in 2022, five games, first five games of the season, Auburn was outscored 42-7 to in the middle eight, minus 35. It was by far the worst in the SEC. I think it was the worst in Power 5 football, if I, if I remember correctly. I think it might have been the worst in organized in the history of <laughs> yeah. organized football. How about this? Here, I don't know about that. How about, how about this stat, though? Worst in the history of numbers. How about, how about this stat? In the middle eight so far this season, five games, exact number, exact same number, Auburn is outscoring their opponents thirty-four to nothing in the middle eight. And the way they, they have handled the middle eight infinitely better mm -hmm. than the previous staff. Again, it's all about wins. You know, you know, you you want to take you want to take as many of those opportunities as you can. You got to get better early. Yada, yada. That is a sign of progress because Auburn has been better at the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third quarter. I mean, they are <laughs> they are ten touchdowns better. You watch. <laughs> Just you, think though. It could have been at least thirty-seven to nothing. Oh yeah. Oh, I it mean, could Auburn, have been Auburn, Auburn had the opportunity uh, but, oh, no, but to, for sure. to, to have the lead going into halftime. But weren't, yeah. weren't you guys like me because because of the first because of the way the last two seasons went when when Cal gets the ball right before the end of the second? Oh, quarter, you're thinking uh, here's the score. Aren't you thinking yeah, touchdown, comes the score. touchdown, touchdown, well, the and this game's yeah. over here's before this offense touches the Look ball? Look at what happens when you rotate your defensive players. And actually give some other guys some reps so they're not dead tired by the end of the second quarter. And oh, maybe not making them lift weights on Friday might make a big difference in how much stamina they have throughout a game. We were, I'm just saying. No, I I remember last year when there was sort of there were differing opinions about whether or not Auburn was going to beat Arkansas towards the tail. I believe that's the last game under Harson, right? I think Arkansas is the end. Yes. And there was and and we were on this show saying you can't play three defensive linemen and have yep. a chance against Arkansas. This game's going to be a rout in the second half. And I think we were all like, we were unusually pessimistic about Auburn's chances. We had the Arkansas guy. We had Ty Richardson on from hold that line. And, and he was, he was thinking Auburn had more of a fighting chance than we did. No, it's just not going to work. It's a bad matchup. If you're thin in the front seven, Auburn was thin in the front seven. And, and you're right. They've, they've been able to address some of that depth and they've been, Although that that brings us to the question yeah, about now, what, now what do you we've got to get to after the injury news this week. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, Auburn's Hello, got a lot. Auburn's got, Auburn's got a lot of guys that are beat up. Yeah, that they hope they'll get back. But they uh, good news on Demari Austin yesterday. I yeah. thought that was I thought that was pretty surprising. But I mean, Does defensively Mar they've had a lot of guys oh, beat yeah. up, and now they're without you have a, you have without a, a starter. You on have the a, you've front. had a starter at all three levels get knocked out for most of the year, if not mm -hmm. the rest of the year, and that's through five weeks. That is. 
brutal to it deal is. with. When you, when you weren't a team that was extremely deep to begin with. I will with. say, no, no, nothing against Masai Nasilakite at all when I say this, but um, it's going to be an opportunity for Calder Fall to get Absolutely. more snaps. And judging by just the eye test and the numbers that I've seen so far, sure, he should be playing more anyway. Yeah, here you now go. Now there's no here reason go, for him kid. not to. And then we saw, we saw Zeke Walker a little bit. I would think yeah. Bobby Jamison Travis gets an opportunity. By the way, is that give you Walker's birthday today? Happy birthday, Zeke. Happy oh, birthday. Well, yeah. I, I just uh, when you said Zeke, I was yeah. like I was like I remember seeing that tweet this morning. Ah, um, a guy we've a guy we've thought, you know, had had a chance to step in and and help out, yeah. you know, there's there's you know, But really interesting I, I, I found it very interesting that Demari Austin could be able to bounce back this quickly. I, and shoulder injury That felt bad. like yeah. man, it looked it could have been you could have been down for the count for a while, but uh free yeah, said maybe in the next couple of weeks they can get him back. Well, there there are degrees too, so mm-hmm. yeah, that that is really really good news. Can, can I ask I know we got Mitch hanging on. We, we could take maybe take yeah, a break. We're gonna we take, we right, take right, one right, more can, break. I, can I ask about? So was there any other? Okay, how about this? Auburn is it 2016 LSU is the game where it feels like it's loser leaves town and, and that's yes. that's Auburn. Yes, that's yes, Auburn. Yes, yes. Okay, who would have been? Because by then Kirby's at Georgia, right? That's your yeah, one. Mm-hmm, that's yeah, your yeah, one right. for Kirby at Georgia. Was there a candidate people were screaming for to replace Gus at that point? Was there someone who had emerged as the? <laughs> Might have been you. Honestly, uh, Hugh Freeze probably yeah. was. That, that, that's Hugh's yeah. last year at, 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 at Ole Miss. It's one of them. Yeah, I mean, I figured. I mean, I mean uh, and where, he would have been. Where's, and, where's, and, where's, and, Mus, where's Muschamp? They went nuts in fifteen where's, offensively. Didn't where's they? Muschamp at that point? Would he have been in the in the mix to South be South Carolina? Maybe. Like, would he have would he have gotten the South Carolina I job by not. then? Like, yeah, I think so. I mean, I you just, know, I, I don't really let's remember a lot of names yeah. being talked about. Yeah. So I mean, I just that was that was what I thought about when when the Kirby call, you know, yeah, like, happened just now because I know Kirby wouldn't have been a candidate at that point, having already taken the Georgia job. But I wonder. No, who. and I don't think there was I don't think there was much buzz about Hugh either at mm. that time. Would Lane, right, would Lane have been in the in the mix at that point? He's he's Bama is he Bama offensive coordinator yeah, Lane Kiffin at that he, point? He, he needed to go. He needed to wasn't go at FAU. Yeah, he needed to go win some at FAU. Lane for. Lane would have worked. We've said this before. If Auburn had called Gus's bluff after the 2017 season and said, we're not giving you the big contract, go get it from Arkansas if you really want it that badly. And Auburn has an opening after 17 because they let Gus walk. That's when, because Lane, Lane. I had, wonder if Gus would have walked. I, I don't think he would have either. But had you, but <laughs> really? had you, but had you let him and, and he hasn't, and you have an opening, Lane had just had a huge season at, at FAU at that point. And that, that's where like in hindsight, if you're penciling a spot where, Lane Kiffin would have made sense. That that might have been the move. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Mitch, hold on. You're up when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. It's time to stop dealing with unreliable network copiers, printers,